0: Today on Jay Sekulow Live is socialist Bernie Sanders on track to win the Democrat nomination for president.
1: Live from Washington DC, Jay Sekulow Live. Phone lines are open for your questions right now. Call 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. And now your host, Jordan Sekulo.
0: Hey, welcome to Jay Sekio Live. We're going to be taking your phone calls today. 1 800 684 3110. A very interesting new poll out of Morning Consult, their national poll. You know, Joe Biden has liked to talk a lot the past few days about how, well, listen, I, the first two states out of 50, 50, they don't matter. That's such a small percent of the vote. I'm still leading in the national polls. Well, Morning Consult has found not only is he no longer leading in the national polls, uh, just check this out. Uh, post New Hampshire, Joe Biden nationally, nat- this is nationally, folks, is trailing Bernie Sanders by ten percentage points. It's been a net change of seven. Okay, just since New Hampshire, so in these polls, Joe Biden is no longer the front runner. Bernie Sanders is the national front runner, and you know who's number three. Not the winner of the Iowa Caucuses or the number two finisher in New Hampshire, Pete Mayor Pete. No, number three is Mayor Bloomberg. He's at about eighteen percent. So I mean he's right on the heels of replacing Joe Biden as the, I guess, more moderate choice. I mean, this is a guy who was a Democrat, a Republican, an independent back to a uh uh Democrat, who's been under some controversy this week. He's spending big. The issue is that the states that he's doing well in that are polling aren't yet aren't even Super Tuesday states. So like one like in Florida where he is uh taking the lead, that that doesn't uh even they don't even vote until March 17th. That's long after March 3rd on Super Tuesday. But Than, this is uh kind of earth shattering for the Democrat Party right now when you've got a socialist with a at least a 10 point lead on anyone else in the field not just by state, but now nationally.
2: Yeah, and this is what we talked about yesterday, Jordan. This is why I believe that Bernie Sanders is going to win Nevada. And contrary to what most people would tell you, I think he's going to win South Carolina as well because it takes a while for the polling numbers to come up uh, forward, So you still look at polling numbers and it shows that, that Joe Biden has a lead in South Carolina, but I'm glad that you point out that morning consult poll Jordan, because to me, that's the first indicator of what we said yesterday we expected to happen. When it becomes, when it looks like it's inevitable that the front runner, that the favorite is falling, it can happen very, very quick. And I think that's an indication uh, that it will. Uh, Jordan, you and I had a conversation with, with Harry yesterday who believes that Tom Steyer might win South Carolina. I have a little bit of a difficult time, uh, believing that that he will. I think Bernie Sanders would be the one that would gain the traction, but it really does become interesting, Jordan, because what it tells me is that all of these candidates that are in the race, remember, we started with, you know, how many was it? I don't know, 17 or something like that. Uh, none of them have built the consensus to be the alternative to Bernie Sanders, so this long-shot approach that Mayor Bloomberg is taking, waiting till Super Tuesday and even beyond, as you said, to really compete. Uh, Jordan, if there is no consensus option by the time that strategy kicks into gear, then guess what? He would be the alternative to Mayor Bloom or to, to Bernie Sanders. It actually looks like his strategy has a real chance here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how these numbers are looking. Now, there is a chance, though, Than, when you look at just what's coming up. So if Nevada and South Carolina, uh, Nevada goes the way that, uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders has predicted, which he says he will win Nevada. If, it, if he does, and then he goes into South Carolina and destroys Joe Biden's firewall... I think Joe Biden may be out of the race. He may still be in it for Super Tuesday, but it looks like it'd be pretty embarrassing for him. And then it's still a long time till till we see if Bernie Sanders wins a lot of those states, including California, till we start seeing significant electoral votes for uh, and delegates for uh, Mike Bloomberg.
2: Yeah, it's truly South Carolina or bust for Joe Biden, Jordan. It really is. There's not a state that pulls better for him than South Carolina. And if he goes into Super Tuesday 0 oh, for 4, he's done.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder if he he's just quits before so that people are open to vote for others. we got a lot to talk about, too, about the ACLJ's work on life. We'll talk politics, too. Ned Ryan's going to be joining us on the show today. We'll be right back.
3: The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line, we could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected, is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift.
0: Do not worry. We will get back into politics, especially in our second half hour, because we're going to have Ned Ryan on. He is the CEO of American Majority. That's an organization that trains uh, uh, conservative candidates and grassroots activists and community leaders uh, around the country. They've already trained since 2008, 48,000 candidates and activists. Uh, Ned's got a new book out as well. He's a good friend of ours, good friend of the broadcast. You see him a lot on Fox News as well, and he's a, a strong defender of President Trump. Uh, He'll be uh, joining us again in the second half hour as we get back into the political discussion. But we always want to take opportunities to update you on what's going on at the ACLJ as well, post-impeachment, post all these other kind of issues that have dominated the news. And one of those issues, Stan, that we're working on uh, very aggressively at the ACLJ is this comment period coming out on rules proposed to eight different federal agencies aimed at combating any and all religious discrimination through grant programs or other agency-led programs. Tell people about this.
2: Yeah, this was an effort led by President Trump. Started very early in the administration, Jordan, where he directed all of the agencies, agency-wide, to conduct a review about the policies and the grant procedures as it related to how they treat religious uh, organizations. And what happened just a couple of weeks ago, there was a coordinated rollout from nine agencies. You mentioned that we're going to be filing comment, in eight of those uh, next week, Jordan. There will be a ninth added a couple of weeks later. A uh, HUD is a little bit behind, but essentially what it has... Done. They've put forward uh, comments to make sure that religious organizations that get grants to participate in social welfare uh, services, so any, everything from a, a soup kitchen to you know a homeless shelter, Jordan, that get federal grants. There has been, since the Obama administration, additional regulatory requirements on those religious entities. And honestly, Jordan, I think the best way to explain it to our listeners, it's very much like what we saw in our case where pro-life clinics and, and, and pregnancy centers were being forced to advertise for abortions. Under the Obama administration, that's what these religious entities essentially had to do. When someone came in just looking for their service, Jordan, if they got federal money, they had to actually tell that person where they would get, where they could go to get that service from someone who was not religiously affiliated. That will change under these regulations. We'll be filing comment on Tuesday in support of them.
0: And, of course, we're taking your phone calls at 1-800-684-3110 today. That's one 800 684 three one one zero there's two major categories of action here the administration's taken. the first is issuing new guidance to public schools nationwide ensuring the right of each and every student to pray in school it further provides guidance on a host of other religious liberty issues including bibles in schools you know all these cases that we have to deal with kids having their bible taken away student-led prayer not we're not talking about starting off the school day with prayer but student-led prayer coming under attack. These are cases we have to deal with all the time because the guidance to, to public schools isn't clear from the Department of Education, and the Trump administration is doing something about it. Of course, they're being criticized by the anti-Christian, you know, those freedom-from-religion-type type groups. But it, again, we've had the fourth grader with the Bible ripped away. You've, you've heard us play that in one of our, our videos promoting the work of the ACLJ, and we were able to resolve that. But literally, I mean, a Bible taken away from fourth graders... That shouldn't be the case anymore once these regulations are put in place. Um, It also lets teachers know about their religious liberty rights and other school staff, just clarifying things. Second, the administration will be issuing new rules across these nine federal agencies, as Stan said, to ensure that religious organizations and faith-based businesses are not only treated the same as non-religious organizations and businesses, but that specifically removed forced speech requirements that required religious organizations and businesses to refer for services that violate for their faith. So the Trump administration standing up for religious liberty in a way, in a sense, doing something by the way, Than, that the Department of Education has is supposed to do every two years and has not done since the George W. Bush administration in 2003. So the Trump administration now taking on that mantle so that these fe- the public schools who receive funding from the Department of Education understand understand what the rules are when it comes to religious liberty. That's important, but also, uh, again, so for the First Amendment protections of the, the staff and then also of these uh, religious-based businesses and groups that may be applying for federal grants.
2: Yeah, it's really true in both those major categories of action that you described, Jordan. I mean, on the prayer guidance, you're right. This was supposed to be updated every couple of years, and essentially every administration had ignored it. We have seen this time and time again with this administration, Jordan, is they have done a very good job of circling back and sort of reviewing the books and seeing what sort of statutory requirements were either required of them or were available to them and starting to bring those up to speed. That's certainly true on the faith guidance. I would say that's true on the on the nine rules that were issued as well, Jordan. I mean, some of these agencies that we're going to be filing comments in, you wouldn't think of them maybe as having a problem in this area. Think about like the Department of Agriculture. Probably not a whole lot of grants that go to religiously situated organizations. But, Jordan, if they qualify, just like a non-religious oriented group would, the government cannot discriminate. And yet, under the previous administration, they were doing just that. And I would just tell you quickly, there come some of these agencies, this will make a huge impact, Jordan. I mean, think about the Department of Health and Human Services. How many cases have we had involving grant monies where maybe there is a religious organization that would want to participate in a life-oriented cause? Under the previous regs, Jordan, they would not have been allowed to unless they were willing to advertise for someone else who had a different view. That's going to change.
0: Share this broadcast with your friends and family. Folks, if you're watching on Facebook and Periscope, click that share button now because there's a lot of new information here that we haven't had time to share with all the politics. We will be getting back to politics in the second half hour of the broadcast In a minute then, I'm going to let you update about two new pro-life pieces of legislation moving through the United States Senate next week. But I did want to answer this question that came in through Facebook. Betty Daly wrote in, what if your child has an app, I have one, uh, for the Bible, on their cell phone? There should be no issue there. Now, this guidance will make it that much clearer. But if your child has any kind of issue with that, I mean, there should be no problem with that whatsoever. But if your child has had any kind of issue with, with their uh, religious speech, or they're being treated differently at school. I encourage you, if you're worried or concerned, or just have a question and you want to get clarification on what the school told your student, or what the school told you, or what the school's policy is that you heard about, contact us, aclj.org forward slash help. You put your information in there, and you'll be contacted with an attorney, usually within 24 hours. If it's a weekend, maybe 48 hours. And they will walk you through. And there's not, like, bad questions to ask. Don't feel like it's not always going to be a legal case. Sometimes it's something that can be handled very simply. Uh, We can provide you with information. Uh, We can can provide the school with information. But but don't ever hold back on contacting us. We don't charge. We've got donors who make this service absolutely free to you. So contact us at aclj.org forward slash help. If you're in a situation like Betty and you've got this question, like, my child's got an app for the Bible, are they going to start doing something about that? If something has occurred, if someone's brought that to their the attention, we should know about it and it won't cost you anything and you'll be speaking to an actual attorney, aclj.org slash help. Now, then, I know it'll be more next week, but I wanted to update people about these two pro-life pieces of legislation coming up in the U.S. Senate because in the next segment, Frank Mannion, a senior counsel with the ACLJ, is going to be updating us on that situation involving that nurse who was forced to violate her conscience, basically was lied to about the procedure she was going to be uh, uh, doing, and uh, forced to perform an abortion at the University of Vermont uh, Hospital. Uh, so, But there are two pro-life pieces of legislation moving in the U.S. Senate, which should be very interesting to watch.
2: Yeah, and this is directly applicable to the conversation we had on yesterday's broadcast, Jordan, where Senator Klobuchar was trying to say that there was a big tent party in the Democrat side of the aisle. Well, there are two pieces of legislation that we talked about yesterday that demonstrate that she and her Democrat colleagues in the Senate have not been uh, acting uh, to support those words. And great news yesterday, Leader McConnell has filed cloture, which means there's going to be a vote on these two pieces of legislation. Now, they just left town for a week, President's Day recess, but these will be on the docket as soon as they return. The following week, uh, Jordan, the first one is the Pain Capable Unborn Child Act. I know our listeners are familiar with this. This is the one uh, that prohibits abortion once a child uh, can feel pain. And it's a basically a late term abortion ban because a child can feel pain uh, and would have to be administered uh, uh a proper medication for that. The second one, Jordan, I think is probably more important for this moment in time. It's the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. And Jordan, this cuts through the fallacy uh, that this is only about abortion. The Democrat Party right now is actually in favor of infanticide because this bill does not address abortion. This bill addressed babies who are born alive, who are outside of the birth canal, who are laying on the table and need medical help. This bill would simply say they are required to receive Uh, Medical help. Jordan, both of those bills are going to get a vote in the United States Senate as soon as they return. Kudos to Leader McConnell for teeing them both up together and sort of demonstrating this fallacy that's coming on Washington. Well, it's going to to
0: show you exactly where these senators stand. And I guarantee you, not a single uh, Democrat is going to be willing to do this. I mean, maybe one or two, but uh, not Amy Klobuchar, who said she'll welcome pro life uh, uh, Democrats in, in. Not do anything for them and this will be the example of that by the way we got another question came in from poppy on facebook what if your child has a shirt with a bible scripture on it and and it again it depends on do they go to public school private school is there a dress code that's the perfect time to just contact our legal help and make sure everything's good aclj.org forward slash help poppy go there and you'll get the information all we'll need really is the school's dress code and we'll be able to, to inform you with their rights
3: Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected, is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line, we could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org.
0: Welcome back to Jay Sekio Live. If you're watching on Facebook and Periscope, I was on Fox News uh, a while ago actually talking about the situation involving a nurse in New Hampshire, and this was again at the University of New Hampshire Medical uh, Center their hospital there, and this nurse was basically, uh, she had her very clear that she did not want to be involved in performing abortions. She's been very clear about that. And she has conscience protections at the University of Vermont Medical Center. But she was tricked into actually performing an abortion. I mean, it got so far as to say, you know, don't hate me for this from one of her her, her uh, superiors uh, because instead of what she believed was she was assisting in a procedure following a miscarriage so that the child had already, already passed away, unfortunately. Uh, but she was then trapped inside and discovered that it was in fact an elective abortion so an abortion for no other reason than the 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 woman or or the family or whatever just wanted to do away with this child's life and not not give birth to this child to kill this child and she was forced into carrying out the procedure now the ACLJ got involved but not only the ACLJ got involved we got the Trump administration via the HHS Health and Human Services to get behind what's called in the Office of Civil Rights, uh, a, a something that has existed before these conscious protections, but as we've said, has really had no teeth. And And, and I want to bring on Frank Mannion, a senior counsel uh, with the ACLJ who's been handling this case. Frank, first tell people about uh, how we got involved and then how the HHS got involved to finally give some teeth to this provision to protect conscious rights.
4: Sure, Jordan. Uh, this nurse contacted us uh, a couple of years ago, you know, maybe six months after the incident happened. Uh, she, was, she was racked with nightmares over this, uh, just didn't know where to turn, contacted us because of our long history of doing these kinds of cases. And uh, we met with her, we talked to some witnesses who supported her, her story, and we uh, decided to take this to the new Office of Civil Rights Conscience and Religious Freedom Division of HHS. Now, remember, this is something brand new that began in uh, 2018, I believe, is when they formally announced it. The Church Amendment and various other conscience laws and regulations have been on the books for 30, 40 years. But really, they've they've almost never been enforced, whether it's been a Republican administration or a Democrat administration. Finally, these regulations have some teeth in them because of what this administration has decided to do. So what they did was, uh, we still are working alongside them in representing this nurse, but they uh, went to Vermont. They interviewed witnesses. They p- issued subpoenas. They gathered records. And on August 28th of last year, they issued a notice of violation to the University of Vermont Medical Center, saying, in effect, "You have 30 days to bring your policies into compliance and to remedy what you did, not only to this nurse, but to other nurses who their investigation disclosed. Or we're going to seek a re- revocation of the funding that you receive from federal grants." Now, basically, every hospital in the country. Right. Uh, is funded in part by federal grants so also was University of Vermont now it's my understanding from sources that we can't divulge uh publicly but it, it's my understanding that the case is still very much alive that the University of Vermont has not satisfied HHS and that uh it, in very short order we are anticipating that HHS will be in effect taking them to court it's an administrative proceeding uh, where they seek revocation of the funding that has been previously granted to UVMMC. This is an enormous step in the protection of conscience rights. We've never seen it before, and I've been doing these cases for 30 years.
0: I mean, So it's an enormous step to protect conscience rights in one of the most egregious violations of conscience rights we've ever seen before, Frank, as well. And even four other nurses at this same medical center in Vermont have said they, too, have been subjected to similar violations of their conscience rights. There's a pattern there of not respecting the conscience rights and even misleading or lying to yeah. the these nurses about what procedure they're they're getting putting their scrubs on to actually uh to be a part of. And exactly. I again I just want to explain that it's this is also one of the most it's it's uh, incredible that we're seeing this response with HHS, but this was one of the most egregious conscience violations we've ever dealt with, right, Frank?
4: It really is. In fact, it's the worst that we've yeah. seen, uh, and, and it's just it's encouraging that we finally have somebody at HHS that not only is willing to, but uh, is eager to enforce conscience rights. Uh, and that's why we just have to encourage people in the healthcare profession, whether doctors or RNs, LPNs, CNAs, anybody that assists in the health profession that uh, has a pro-life viewpoint and finds themselves pressured or coerced or deceived, as in this case, Uh, because of their pro-life viewpoint and stance, they need to contact us and they need to contact us now because this window of opportunity has never been open before and it may not be open forever. I mean, the the only reason this is happening at HHS is because the current administration didn't happen under even previous Republican administrations.
0: Yeah, I always point that out, that this administration, unlike previous Republican and Democrat administrations, has done more for life and more for those who want to protect their conscience by utilizing the powers already given to them in the executive branch and they're actually using those powers and and Frank you just said it right and we've been talking about this all day on the show if if people are in this situation it's really easy to contact us you go to aclj.org forward slash help it's aclj.org forward slash help and Frank people put their contact information there and they're usually on the phone with an attorney within 24 hours Uh, uh, talking through their situation, and we've got a whole team, like your team, devoted to protecting the conscience rights and protecting life.
4: That's right, Jordan. I personally review every pro-life contact the ACLJ gets.
0: So understand that, folks. Frank Mannion, a senior counsel at the ACLJ, personally reviews every life contact, so anything that involves the life issue, that comes through aclj.org forward slash help. These aren't, aren't some interns. This yep. is, these are senior counsels at the ACLJ, Frank.
4: We are anxious. We finally have this opportunity to enforce these rights that we've been frustrated with for decades, literally, uh, where nobody at the federal government would even listen to us even though the, uh, the laws were on the books. So we review them. Uh, they may not be cases, they may not be something we can help with, but more often than not there's something we can do. And I'm convinced that there are people, not just in Vermont, but in every state, uh, who work in the healthcare profession who find themselves, if not necessarily coercion, you know, forced to uh, participate in an abortion, but pressured to, told that well, you're not going to get the promotion or you're not going to get this job, yeah. or we're going to have to transfer you to a lesser position. That shouldn't be happening, and and we want to look at those those situations and see if there's something we can do to help.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's not always about the abortion procedure itself. I mean, in this case, it, it did involve that because the nurse was. Uh, tricked into performing an elective abortion of all things but but there's also all those other kinds of cases that that uh, frank just laid out pro-life speech uh, not getting promotions uh, not getting hired uh, university level issues uh, pharmacist issues i mean goes across the board Uh, frank i appreciate the update and keep us updated as hhs as you're hearing maybe prepares to take this next step as well will do jordan all right, folks, you just heard from Frank Mannion, Senior counsel at ACLJ, joining us live. At ACLJ.org forward slash help, as he said, he personally reviews every single contact that comes in through that, ACLJ.org forward slash help, and he is a very senior attorney with the ACLJ. Any issue involving life, he personally reviews. So if you have any issue, go to ACLJ.org forward slash help because of our donors we're able to help you at no cost and review all of this and even take it to court for you and represent you at no cost aclj.org forward slash help we come back some politics
3: For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org.
1: from Washington D.C. Jay Sekulow live and now your host Jordan Sekulow.
0: There's some breaking news and I think we're gonna we'll analyze it more Monday uh but you're seeing I'm not gonna take a bunch of positions out right now but the Department of Justice has just announced it's not pursuing criminal charges against forming former acting FBI director Andrew McCabe uh those are criminal charges that they're not pursuing now remember he was fired he was fired and won't receive his pension he's been he's tried to fight back on that so i mean he's received already some serious consequences for his his uh his bad actions but of course to rise to the level of criminal liability and a grand jury to issue indictments is a different level and we haven't heard any news about jim comey or anybody else associated with andrew mccabe i'm gonna this is just developing i don't want to take a lot of positions on this right now i just want to as we're live broadcast not ignore the live news uh, that is going on right now. But because we're talking about politics and Ned Ryan's going to be joining us in the next segment, I kind of want to reset the stage, Stan, because again, all of these issues, you know, McCabe is gone now. The, some of the swamp is being drained. I mean, do they go to jail? Do they not go to jail? The criminal charges. I like the fact that they're gone. I like the fact that they are are they were being investigated. I like the fact that, that Office of Professional Responsibility, the FBI which is a bureaucratic office decided he should be fired even before his pensions uh, vested his pension vested I mean that was all done really outside of control of any kind of Trump administration official so I mean I, again we'll get more on this and more details about this. this is just breaking news we're not gonna be able to cover it all today but I want to get back to politics because Frank Mannion mentioned something important in the last segment he said if you've got one of these conscience issues then The HHS has opened this window now to fight for you, but that window could close quickly. What Frank meant was, if it's not the Trump presidency in 2021, so after people go and vote November 3rd, 2020, and you got Bernie Sanders, they're not going to be fighting for you at HHS if you're one of these nurses at University of Vermont. They're just not, because as he said, you you must be. You know, it's it's a core plank to be a Democrat. You must be pro-abortion. So there's no way he's going to go after uh, uh, places like University of Vermont uh, and, and, and to try and help these nurses.
2: Well, Jordan, yeah, our listeners just need to remember what Frank said. He said that the law does not allow these kind of violations of conscience that are taking place in this case that we've handled. But Jordan, the law doesn't allow it, not because of a recent change in the law. The law has not allowed it for decades and decades, and yet no administration has done anything about it. Now there is enforcement at the Department of Health and Human Services. So as long as those people who are there who are enforcing the law are there, that window remains open. But you're right, Jordan, you just don't know when it will close. And I I would just... I would just maybe under underline this just a little bit, because I think uh, across the administration, Jordan, we are seeing better application of the law. And this is a prime example. But nowhere are we seeing better application of it than at the Department of Health and Human Services. And I would tell you this. Nowhere was it worse before the Department of Health and Human Services was where especially the pro-abortion left and also the anti-religious left were the most hostile to both people of faith and other people who would want to assert their their conscience reservations, uh, Jordan. That has changed dramatically, and it is specifically because of people. We say all the time, Jordan, that 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 people that politics are people, and that they result in policy. That has happened at HHS. There are people inside who are committed not to creating the law, Jordan. The law has been correct, as Frank said, but they are committed to applying that in a way that has never happened before. That closes when those people change
0: folks. So we're taking your phone calls now on politics. 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. So coming up in the next segment, Ned Ryan, you know him probably from Fox News. He's on Fox News a lot, but uh, I know him well before he was, he was a, a, a political commentator. And even before he's the author of the new book, Restoring Our Republic. He's also the head of American Majority, which has done great work training activists and candidates. 48,000 have been trained since 2008. So, we'll talk to Ned about his new book, about the state of the race uh, for president, and also the House and the Senate. We'll talk about all of that with Ned Bryan. We come back. And if you've got questions on politics, time to get them in. 1 800 684 3110. If you want to talk to us on the phone, if you've got questions for Ned as well, 1 800 684 3110. That's 1 800 684 3110. We'll be right back on Jay Sekulow Live.
3: The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line, we could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected, is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift.
0: Jay Sekio Live. We've got a lot to talk about when it comes to politics. First of all, there's another Democrat debate next Wednesday. Uh, You've got, of course, South Carolina, uh, Nevada coming up on Saturday, February 22nd. So that's a week from this Saturday. And then the next Saturday, uh, that's a caucus. You have South Carolina, which is a primary. That's February 29th. Then you get Super Tuesday, March 3rd. And that's going to be real key for Bernie Sanders, And I think Bloomberg, notice who I'm not really talking about right now, Joe Biden. I just don't see him being able to play there right now in that many states. We haven't gotten a ton of polling out of these states yet, uh, but uh, let me say that if Bernie Sanders takes California and just a few of these more liberal-leaning states, uh, uh, he is on the path to getting the nomination, in my opinion, uh, with probably only Mayor Bloomberg standing in the DNC, we'll put it that way, standing in his way. We've got someone who can weigh in on this as well, Ned Ryan. He is a grassroots and conservative activism expert. He's someone I've known for many years. We've worked on campaigns together in the past. Uh, Then he went on and founded, became the CEO of American Majority. It's a great organization. Uh, It does a nonpartisan political training institute to identify and mold uh, liberty-minded conservative candidates, grassroots activists, and community leaders. And since 2008... Ned and the organization have trained 48,000 candidates and activists. Think about that, 48,000 candidates and activists. He was a former uh, writer for President George W. Bush. He's the son of a former Olympic medalist and Congressman Jim Ryan of Kansas, where our own Than Bennett uh, used uh, used to work for uh, uh, with uh, Congressman Ryan, who is now our uh, uh, Than, who is now our head of government affairs and runs our Washington D.C. office, Ned. It's great to have you on the broadcast.
1: Yeah, no, great to be with you, Jordan. No, it's uh, th- there's a lot to discuss these days uh, in, in in the campaign season and in D.C. And so, yeah, no, I've I've got a few thoughts. Few yeah, thoughts I'm sure you do. Let, primary.
0: Let me first go to your your new book, "Restoring yeah. Our Republic: The Making of the Republic and How We Reclaim It Before It's Too Late." It's available at Amazon. So again, uh, you can go to Amazon, type in Ned Ryan, it's R-Y-U-N, you'll find it there. Restoring Our Republic, it's easy to find. Um, and and I think, Ned, I just want to ask you, because I, I wrote a book earlier this year, and it was a, it was a warning, it was like, hey, we need to get people out to vote. This this can't just be silent majority year in 2020, uh, because we have to imagine, even if the Democrats feel bad candidates and all that, imagine you're always losing, you're 10 points down, and we need to get out there, not be afraid to have a Trump sign, not be afraid to have a Trump sticker on your car, and not be afraid to tell your friends and family who you're voting for. Why did you write Restoring Our Republic?
1: A uh, Great question, Jordan. I mean, it was really the beginning of last year when I started to formulate the idea for the book because we were facing this very aggressive socialism, that's personified in Bernie Sanders, that again is un-American, it's antithetical to the founding and realizing this is really has taken hold of one of the major parties here in the United States, and it really has become to where we're going to have, I think, in 2020, a clarifying moment. Are we going to go down a path of socialism, statism, or are we going to go back and try and restore the republic? And, and I think, you know, we always say this, Jordan, because you and I have been involved in a ton of campaigns, that this is the most important campaign of our lifetimes. I, I kind of think 2020 actually is, and, and the reason being is, everything is coming to a head, and I think that's one of the things that, I, that Donald Trump has been able to do. And I've, I've told people Donald Trump is that red pill and truth serum all wrapped up into one package where he's brought clarity to a lot of different things, and he's also made people drop the masquerade and pretense and come out for who they actually are. And, and you and I both know that this socialism has been building inside of the Democratic Party, and now they're dropping the pretense and saying, yeah, we want it all. We want Green New Deal. We want Medicare for all. We want all of these things, which are socialist health care, it's coercive socialism, and that's what this election is about. And so, when you think about really kind of where we've this has been building for 100 years, the progressive statism that they dropped inside of our constitutional republic, and that was one of the other reasons I wanted to write this book and just say this is what our founders intended. These were their inspirations, this is how they constructed the machinery of the republic, and then this is what progressives have done. They put this administrative state with a massive bureaucracy inside of our republic. Those two things don't mix. They're completely different governing philosophies in which, you know, republic, all power flows from the people to our duly elected representatives inside of administrative state. They want to give more and more power and authority to unelected bureaucrats who then think they're the ones who decide. And I tell people this, Jordan, if you look back over the last three years, this all comes down to one thing, who decides. And in our republic, it's the duly elected representatives of the people that decide.
0: So, again... You've written this book, it's it's out, uh, it, people get it at Amazon, it's Restoring Our Republic, The Making of the Republic, and How We Reclaim It Before It's Too Late. I'm looking at polls right now, a, a new morning consult national poll, which uh, is now showing that Joe Biden is not telling the truth when he says, oh, I'm leading the national polls, which mean nothing in politics, by the way, when you, when people start voting. They mean something before. They mean something about momentum before votes start getting cast. They help you with fundraising. But once votes start getting cast and you start finishing in fourth and fifth place and last place and and it looks like your firewall's falling apart in South Carolina, that's a couple weeks away. And now you're not leading in the national polls anymore. I guess I'd ask you, Ned, first, do you think Joe Biden, is his campaign over?
1: I do. I think it's over. But I, but Jordan, I would encourage people. You can go back and and look at some of my clips from last summer, even last spring, when I was talking about Joe Biden. I never understood the premise for yeah. Joe Biden. Utter, utter mediocrity. His first two campaigns for president Always were complete bad. disasters. Yeah. And the whole entire premise for Joe Biden was a return to establishment normalcy. Now, in what world do we live in which you think people are crying out for return to establishment normalcy that sells us out on trade deals, that sells us out on immigration, that empowers Washington, D.C. to have even more decisions and more authority over our lives? There's nobody that's making that argument. And so when Joe Biden, you can prop him up with the mainstream media, you can prop him up with the establishment, but you're right. In the first contact with voters... The truth is coming out. Nobody wants Joe Biden. I do not see him becoming the nominee. And I think the real battle is now going to be between Bernie Sanders and whoever the establishment, Democrat establishment, uh, coalesces around. And I think they're going to sell their souls to Mike Bloomberg. I think That's they think, I think that he think might, so might be too. their great savior. I, yep.
0: I, I, the polls are showing that. The numbers are showing that. Even late states like Florida, which, I mean, you're not voting till March 17th, so well after... I mean, I think I think he does have to get through Super Tuesday, Bloomberg, and not totally fall apart. He's got to get some some number twos, maybe a victory here or there. Uh, he's certainly spending the money. Um, he's going to states that most of these candidates can't afford to even go to and spend money in. But uh, but then you know you see that he's you know he's beating uh, uh, he's leading Florida, a huge uh, delegate rich state. Uh, and so again, I can see the ba- if the DNC does as you said, s- s- uh, kind of sell its soul they'll put all the machinery they can behind him to try and ensure what they i think they know what we know bernie sanders is is definitely a defeat for them they can't win with bernie sanders and the dnc knows
1: no they can't i think what's going to happen jordan is this first of all there's going to be a major test here in about what two a little over two weeks for mike bloomberg can you skip the force first four contests and then come in big on Super Tuesday. So it's going to be a huge test. Can he actually do that? It has not worked well for previous candidates to try that route. So we'll see. Of course, he's got a lot of money, so he might be able to do it. But I think what's going to happen is Bernie Sanders is going to come waltzing into the the convention in Milwaukee in the summer. I think the Democrats are going to figure out somehow uh, to keep him below 50% of the delegates. So he's going to come in in the lead. And remember, I would remind people – what has changed between 2016 and 2020 is superdelegates can't vote on the first ballot. They can vote on the second ballot. And so I think the real push by the DNC and the establishment is going to be to keep Bernie below 50% of the delegates, force a second ballot. Then it gets really interesting. Did they deny Bernie the nomination? Does he decide, I'm going to run third party? Regardless, a lot of Bernie Bros are going to be very put out. I think with what takes place in Milwaukee, yeah. leading again to Trump having a real headwind—you know, a, a tailwind—going into the November elections.
0: No, I mean, I think so too. I mean, I think that this 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 idea of if it's a brokered convention or they try to steal it away. Either way, so let's say they get their preferred candidate. It's not Bernie Sanders, uh, Drew. That they, that they would be in you know significant trouble with their base because their base is not Michael Bloomberg right now. I mean, it's just not. It's oh, not no. a guy who's having I mean- to walk back throwing black kids up against a wall um, and and uh, and having to t- t- apologize for that and, and basically spend money to go on a tour to apologize for that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, a lot can happen. on Super Tuesday, I think, will be telling for Bloomberg and for Sanders. I think that South Carolina is going to be probably the end of Joe Biden. Uh, and even was. even then, if he let's say he did win South Carolina, I don't know where else he wins. I mean, and, and, and he's never been able to get above like one percent. Like you said, in Iowa, he did his best ever. Uh, that was right. the best he's ever
1: done in Iowa. Well, and one of the basic one of the basic fundamentals of politics: losers don't raise money. You've yeah. got to win to be yeah. able to raise money. He can't raise money at this point. All right,
0: final final uh, seconds here. Just uh, Ned, one more time. Tell people about the book where they can find it.
1: Restoring Our Republic, go to Amazon, grab a copy. Jordan made the top 100 last week on all books. Was awesome. number one in political philosophy. So go grab a copy, read it. I think you'll be inspired by it.
0: Great. Ned Ryan, uh, again, joining us. You know him from Fox News and also from American Majority in his book, Restoring Our Republic. Great political analysis as well. We're going to continue to bring that through to you throughout J. Sekio Live as we get closer to these key dates in the Democratic nomination. So who will Donald Trump be facing? 1 800 We'll be right back on JSECU Live.
3: Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected, is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line, we could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org.
0: Eight hundred six eight four thirty one ten two. 800 We kind of gave you an overview here. Bernie Sanders now leading in these national polls. Now, national polls are important for fundraising, especially if you actually have gotten victories. Bernie Sanders basically split Iowa with uh, Mayor Pete. And by the way, Mayor Pete in this latest poll has not gained anything. He is still at 11%. Because Mike Bloomberg is up to 18%. Joe Biden is down to 19%. And Bernie Sanders climbed all the way to 29% post-New Hampshire. A 10-point lead on Joe Biden, who used to say, don't worry about these two states, I'm the front-runner in all of the national polls. No more. And you, you have to wonder, I have a feeling this poll is not an outlier, and that the more polling that's done, that's more relevant, that's more timely, we're going to start to see Andy. We'll bring in Andy Kahneman into the discussion as well. Joe Biden, continue on this downward spiral I just don't see I just I've been involved in campaigns not proud to say it but similar to his where there's great expectations you don't meet them once you don't meet them twice you say I've got a firewall in this state and the fire is turned to ash before you get there because the time is just way too long.
5: Yeah, I think that's the, that's the fate of Joe Biden. He was the frontrunner for a long time because they wanted him to be the frontrunner. The Democratic Establishment, the Democratic National Committee wanted him to be the frontrunner. He was. He was the former vice president. He was Obama's second-in-command. He appeared to be the man who was going to take over the mantle, but the party has gone and left him. And by, by left him, I mean literally left him. Uh, on the right, and he is on the left, and he is cratering. I don't think he's going to win in South Carolina. I think it's going to be Sanders and Steyer overtaking him, and I don't think anything's going to happen good for him in Nevada. I don't see him in my state of Georgia. I think he's among the Democrats in Georgia, just doesn't carry the support that someone like Bernie or even Bloomberg, for that matter, is going to carry. So I I see Joe Biden as being essentially an empty crater washed up uh old man
0: okay we're getting a lot of questions about popular vote electoral college let me uh let me go to the phones and and just kind of answer this once and for all at least for the 2020 election cycle charles in georgia online three and i understand why people are getting because it's all over the place in the news laws that are being passed by states what does that mean charles welcome to jay secchio live you're on the air
1: hey jay how you doing hey i'm sorry jordan
5: (laughs) yeah (laughs) charles
1: Hey, um, yeah, you know, I saw something, you know, been he- been hearing about it sporadically, talking about popular vote and all that and, you know, the what they're going to do with the electoral votes. You know, is there anything that can be done about that? Is this something that you think we need to worry about? Well,
0: first of all, the Electoral College is part of our U.S. Constitution. So to change that process as a whole, you would have to uh, uh, amend the Constitution. Now, there are states like Maine for instance which have started to proportion out their electoral college votes for instance I, President Trump got one of four of Maine's electoral college votes so you get two electoral college votes based off your senators the rest come from how many congressional districts so Maine has two U.S. senators two congressional districts uh, President Trump uh, got one Electoral College vote out of Maine. So they are proportional. Than in Virginia, we're starting to see the same kind of move, which is trying to circumvent having to amend the Constitution by claiming that the popular vote will somehow dictate how their electoral votes go.
2: Jordan, what happened in Virginia is what we're seeing in a number of states where states are actually trying to say we're going to look at the total popular vote across the nation right. and we are going to allocate our electoral votes to that candidate no matter how our state voted. Yeah, that's good and Jordan, state it would, voters. <laughs> Right. I was going to say there are two things with that. One, uh, first of all, it wouldn't kick in until uh, unless the total electoral votes that were represented by these states were enough to tip the election. But Jordan, you know, politically, how do you go to your voters who voted maybe three to one yeah. for one candidate and say, well, the rest of the nation voted for somebody else. Yeah. So we're going to support that candidate. That's yeah. a political loser. You know, I,
0: think, I think it's very dangerous. Also, I think the constitutional issues that would be involved there, the disenfranchisement of of the individual a person's right to vote, to and, vote yeah. and then to have your vote counted and, and, right. and have the elector then represent you. These We have elector slates. They, they, they are there to represent the voters. This would be doing away with that. Thus, it would be in direct conflict with the U.S. Constitution.
5: Yeah, I think so, Jordan. Remember, we vote for electors. We vote for electors, electors who meet in an electoral college in December following the vote in November, and those electors – elect the president of the United States under the Constitution, to enact a law in a state that says we're going to change that and we're going to apportion them depending upon how a national vote came out would be, in my view, unconstitutional because it doesn't represent the will of the electorate in a particular state. It just nationalizes and uh, and dilutes if not eradicates, the vote of an elector in a particular state, yeah. uh, rather of a voter in a particular state who who chose certain electors.
0: So states totaling uh, 196 electoral votes, which is not enough to win the presidential election, have passed this legislation, uh, I, but uh, it doesn't go in affect this election cycle, correct? And, and then, uh, again, it will be challenged, and I think defeated in court uh, constitutionally, because it's trying to subvert the electoral college system in the U.S. Constitution, the right for the people of the states to be represented in the election. So, I mean, that we're not just gonna let California and New York and a few states decide uh, who becomes president. That's why we have an electoral college. You live in a small state, uh, this is absurd that if, you, if your politicians are supporting this. And maybe it makes sense to them politically today, but one day it won't. And that's why there's the safeguards of the electoral college in place So that whether you're from a small state or a large state, you still have influence in who becomes ultimately the president of the United States. Um, And again, uh, I want to go right back to the phones. There's an interesting question coming in. Uh, Roger in Minnesota we will try to take these final two calls of the day. Interesting one. Roger, you're on the air. Thank
1: you. Um, Does your guest, Mr. Ryan, or any of you on the staff think that Hillary or... Uh, AOC could be a running mate because you see AOC with uh, um, yeah Bernie. Well, All- I
0: can answer the AOC. One. I think I can answer both quickly. A, uh, she's not old enough uh, because if something were to happen to the president, you'd have to be 35 years old. Uh, she is not, um, and so that would be a bar for her. No way is anyone putting Hillary Clinton on their ticket uh, unless they were like forced to at some kind of. Uh, if, I don't want to say at gunpoint, but I, no way. I mean, why take that baggage on? There's other people to choose from. I'm not a Democrat strategist. I could give you 10 better people to choose uh, if you got the nomination than Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, they do have a fundraising machine. They do have a machine that kicks into place. But I think there's other people that would better represent that. Guys, quickly, have like 10 seconds to respond to that one. More
5: important to that... Uh Uh, perhaps Jordan is the fact that Hillary Clinton, nominee for president of the United States, is not going to take the vice presidency of anybody. You like
0: to show V, but no, it would not would not work out uh, well for. I had final thoughts on that that point. I mean, one AOC, (laughs) you know, four or five years from now, I could see someone putting her on the ticket if if they keep going the the communist way. But she's got competition in her own primary from a from a more mainstream Democrat.
2: Jordan, I think putting Hillary Clinton on the ballot might be the only thing that would rival the chaos that would happen if the the election gets or the nomination gets stolen from Bernie Sanders on the second ballot at the convention. Can you imagine?
0: No, I, I, I cannot. Uh, I can only hope. <laughs> As a conservative, I can only hope for the chaos to continue. Uh, again, folks, it was a great broadcast. say we covered a lot of topics. Uh, ACLJ work politics. Check everything out, aclj.org. Stay updated with us if you need help, aclj.org forward slash help.
3: For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org.